You're listening to My Blue Foot. I'm Isaac Bluefoot, and in this episode, Dreaming of Blue Flowers, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Linear Time. When I was younger, I always had trouble with the notion of past lives, but not for the reasons you would think. After having barely survived my own birth, I was a rather spacey child. I always seemed to have one foot in this world and the other somewhere else. Notions of souls being eternal seemed self-evident. Reincarnation made perfect sense to me in light of my lucid sense of reality. Yet the idea of past lives hasn't felt quite right, especially the past part of past lives. I really don't believe in linear time. A moment doesn't cease to exist after we stop experiencing it. Like the X, Y, and Z dimensions, the fourth dimension of time also has its own continuity and integrity. The past exists just as much as a place exists, even after you leave it behind. Now, of course, you cannot return to the past as you can a place, but we'll always have our memories, and the future isn't as inaccessible as you might assume it to be. Besides the slow and inevitable progression we all make into the future, there is this curious matter of deja vu. I myself had never experienced deja vu without the distinct memory of some dream I'd already had. I'm not attributing myself with a unique power to see the future. I believe everyone experiencing deja vu is recalling an obscure dream that was all but irrelevant before remembering it, and honestly, mostly irrelevant even after remembering it. I don't believe there will ever be a reason for me to know why, on that fateful day, I knew a pug dog would walk from around the corner. And how could I know it would soon be followed by its owner, wearing a purple and blue jumpsuit? How or why I knew all of this will remain a mystery to me to the end of time. But even more distressing is that these experiences have forced me to question time and its many ends altogether. How could my eternal soul possibly be limited to the constraints of time? Sure, my perception is mostly confined to this moment, but my soul is eternal. Why couldn't I be reincarnated from the future? Eternal is nothing to put a limit on. So why would souls be constrained to the past? Or so went the song I sang until I heard the story of Joe Williams. Or I should say, the little girl in Des Moines, Iowa, who called herself Joe Williams. Right after beginning to speak, Rami Kreese made her games and conversations all about her life as a man that grew up in a brick house in Charles City. Afraid of motorcycles, she adamantly explained she had died in a motorcycle accident with her wife, and that she and her wife Sheila had three children before they died. Rami's childhood games constantly reenacted scenes from Joe's life in great detail. Her Catholic parents did not know what to think of it, but eventually, the story was passed by family relations to Hemendra Benjeri. Benjeri had studied children with inexplicable memories, and upon hearing about Rami, confirmed that Joe Williams had indeed died 140 miles away from Des Moines in Charles City, Iowa, 18 months before Rami was born. Apparently, souls could be confined to both time and space. Hamendra, his wife, and a pair of Swedish journalists came to Iowa to meet the Kreese family. By then, Rami was four and had gotten used to being a little girl. But when they told her that they wanted to talk about Joe Williams, she seemed enthusiastic as ever, regaling them in stories. I grew up in a brick house. I started a fire in the house when I was a little boy. Mother Williams got a burn in the fire. Mother Williams had a pain in her leg, right here. My wife is named Sheila. We had three kids. I died on a motorcycle with my wife. You can't use the front door to Mother Williams' house. There's a draft. You have to use the side door. 
And so the stories went on. After carefully documenting Rami's memories, Banjeri and the journalists made arrangements to meet Joe's mother in Charles City to verify the facts. Rami excitedly climbed into the front seat of the car, proclaiming that they had to get Mother Williams blue flowers and how dearly she loved blue flowers. So after a quick stop at a flower stand, they arrived at the home of Mother Williams, bouquet in hand. A sign directed them to use the side door, just as Rami had told them they would have to. Louise Williams was only able to confirm her identity before she had to leave in a hurry to an appointment. But Rami recognized her and was crestfallen to see her go. When Mother Williams finally did return, Rami was introduced to her and presented her with the blue flowers. She welled up with emotion. Joe used to always bring me blue flowers. He gave me blue flowers the day he died. But let's get back to the blue flowers later. Once inside, Rami and Louise quickly became close friends. Rami was able to identify family members in photos, and Louise confirmed Rami's stories, including that Joe had helped her build the house and had encouraged her not to use the front door because of the draft. Neither Louise or Rami's parents knew what to make of Rami's inexplicable memories. Back then, in 1981 Iowa, these families weren't prepared to accept the idea that Joe had been reincarnated into this little girl. And yet Rami is far from the only child reporting uncannily accurate memories of living in another life and dying before their birth. Before investigating Rami, Banjeri had done research with Dr. Ian Stevens. Stevens had traced the connections between the inexplicable memories of hundreds of children and the facts involved in the lives and deaths they remembered. Being ever the skeptic, the doctor dismissed any case in which money was ever discussed. Through his strict verification process, Stevens narrowed his focus to 20 children for his book, 20 Cases of Suggestive Reincarnation. In all of these studies interviewing families from around the world, the children were consistently born 18 to 30 months after and within a several hundred mile radius of their previous life and death. And so, for all my insistence that time is an illusion, these carefully documented accounts have convinced me that it is a very convincing illusion. So convincing that even non-corporal souls are held to it and reborn in sequential order. It is strong evidence, though I'm not entirely convinced that time is strictly linear. I sometimes suspect that maybe if a soul is reborn from the future, or maybe even reborn from the distant past or a distant place, maybe those memories are too abstract and foreign to remember. Maybe only souls reborn into a similar time and place from whence they came are able to remember anything at all. Maybe souls are more dynamic than we think. Maybe there's only one soul reincarnating into every possible life, like a massive tree that mistakes itself for its own leaves and thinks the other leaves are different trees altogether. Maybe we live concurrent lives, overlapping, only connected by a lucid thread of experience. I can't help wonder if I even need to die or even be reborn to be reincarnated, especially ever since having a very real dream, even more peculiar than deja vu. I once dreamt I was getting married. The dream focused on the several weeks preparing for the wedding and the weeks that followed. In that time, I met my very aloof mafia in-laws and welcomed my own family and friends into town as they arrived for the wedding preparations. As I greeted each of them, I knew all about who they were and all we'd shared together ever since childhood. I knew all of the places we'd played and secrets we'd shared and remembered growing up together. This dream was vivid, and never for a moment did I question the life I was living. Not long after our honeymoon, there was a confrontation between my new family and their rival gang. 
I wasn't prepared for such a moment and was soon shot and dying. As the puddle of blood grew underneath me, I could feel its warmth as I grew colder. I could feel my senses slipping. As I drifted from my body, everything got blurry. I felt all would soon be darkness and nothing. And from this death, I reached my right arm above my head, stretching my left toe and arching my back. And I awoke in my bed in the late morning light. I was a teenager and my whole life was ahead of me. I'm pretty sure this life I'm currently living did not start that morning that I woke up from that dream. And yet, I had been pretty convinced in that dream that I had known my family all my life. Yet that family who I had loved dearly and that had come to my wedding quickly became a vague memory. Of course, all of this was just a dream. I have no expectation that this life took place in this world ever, and yet it was such a convincing illusion that I have forever since been left with the unsettling sense that I am dreaming even still. With deja vu and synchronicity, these lives we live are no less surreal than most of our dreams. And this brings me back to blue flowers. How many lives have Rami and Louise given each other blue flowers? When Joe gave his mother blue flowers, it was surely not the first time they'd found each other with such a poetic gesture. Little girl and old woman, son and mother, could they have once been sisters, maybe lovers? None of us will ever know what is real in this dream. We are amidst an illusion where each of us dream up each other, both the dreamer and the dreamed. Nothing in this dream is real. Only the relationships, only the connections are real. Amid our morphine forms in life after life, the only way we can find each other is to look for the coincidences. Look for the serendipity. Look for the blue flowers. Look for the poetic moments that tell you what and who really matter to you. That's what this dream is about. Blue flowers. Thank you for listening. I'm Isaac Bluefoot. I've been telling the story of Joe Williams for so many years now that when I decided to record it, I realized I needed to do some research. This episode took months to prepare for because I had to find what book I had first heard of Joe Williams in and renew my library card to two libraries. Thank you to the Humboldt State Library and the Humboldt Public Library, where I got Dr. Ian Stevens' 20 Suggestive Cases of Reincarnation and Life Cycles by Christopher M. Bach, Ph.D., as usual, you can learn more about the music in this episode in the episode notes. My Blue Foot is produced by me, Isaac Bluefoot. Theme music by Royal Jelly. And until next time, remember, no incidence goes without a coincidence. <laughs>